This episode of the Cut the Crap Show as part of the Resilience Prescription is brought to you by Get Abstract. Get Abstract takes what I do and they break it down into golden nuggets, but in PDF format. So if you want to get the summaries from all the episodes of the Cut the Crap Show, you want to go to getab.li slash rrx, where you can download PDF summaries for each of the episodes on the Cut the Crap Show. In fact, today's episode on tipping sacred cows, that's on Get Abstract. So again, if you want access to over 20,000 different titles, if you want to learn fast, if you want to get the golden nuggets, please go to getab.li slash rrx. And when you go there, you're going to have access to a free three-day trial where you can download as many summaries as you want. So if you want, go back through all the episodes of the Cut the Crap Show and download your summaries for free. Again, that's Get Abstract. Go to getab.li slash rrx. All right, before we kick into this episode, you know what I'm going to ask you. Throw me in your phone. Go to your contact list and throw me in your phone. Ryan Caligari, 917-540-8169. And if you're going to text me, I want you to tell me something in your life that you once saw as a setback that actually turned into a setup, something greater, something that made you smarter, stronger, more self-aware. I want to know what the setups are in your life. So let me know by text. 917-540-8169. What's going on, everybody? Hope you're all having a great start to your week. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Cut the Crap Show as part of the Resilience Prescription, where every single week on this show in particular, all we're trying to do is bring good books to you. Again, I love books because they're just filled with so much information, and for us to be able to dig deep into that and pull the golden nuggets out... It's incredibly valuable. It's going to help to increase your knowledge, your understanding of certain aspects, certain pieces of stimulus that might act as catalysts in your life. For me, I want to continually bring good research, good information, good stimulus, good insights to you every single week. And this week, we have a number of good insights from a very, very good guy, Jake Breeden. He wrote the book, Tipping Sacred Cows, Kick the Bad Work Habits that Masquerade as Virtues. This is a very cool book and a good interview, too. I love this guy because he brings such candor to the table where he talks about how he wrote this book so long ago and how he doesn't actually believe in certain aspects that he wrote in this book, which was written about seven years ago, seven, eight years ago. And I respect anybody who can tell me and can dispel their ego for a second and say, hey, listen, what I believed seven years ago is not what I believe now. I've changed. And I believe it's really important for us to realize that as human beings, as we learn As we have new conversations, as we take in new information, we will change. In fact, I find myself changing opinions almost constantly, depending on kind of conversations I have. And it makes me realize that there's just so much I don't know. And I hope that you take the same approach and that there's so much that you don't know. We should make you hungry for knowledge, hungry for good conversations, hungry for new insights from different perspectives. And Jake Breeden absolutely does that. So without further ado, let's crack into this one. It's a great episode, a very short one, quick to the point. I absolutely love it. I think you're going to love it too. Anyways, this is Jake Breeden's Tipping Sacred Cows, Kick the Bad Work Habits that Masquerade as Virtues. I'll catch you back here at the end of the episode. Enjoy. Jake Breeden. Jake, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing great, Ryan. How are you? Doing very well, man. Very well. So uh, like I said, we had a number of people recommend this book and wanted me to cover it off and wanted me to talk to you. So I'm excited to get you on the show. But for those of you out there in Cut the Crap Podcast Nation who don't know who Jake is, 
maybe give us a quick introduction into who you are, what you do, and why you wrote this book in the first place. I bet that's everybody out in Cut the Crap Nation who doesn't know who I am. I, tell, I mean, unless I, you know, perhaps I'll, I'll tell somebody in my family to listen and then they'll join your nation. I love know. it. But um, so I'm an entrepreneur and I used to be uh, a business book writer and uh, someone who, who did the guru circuit and did keynotes and corporate training and, and that sort of thing. Uh, and mm-hmm. after doing that for several years, I decided to see if I could take my own advice and, and start a business. And what's been a, a really interesting path is to see, uh, do I believe all the things that I was advising business owners and business <laughs> leaders for many years? Or uh, what's it like out in the real world of trying to earn a buck, build a company, build products, build a team versus talk about it. Mm. Uh, For for the first part of my career, I talked about work without doing a lot of work. Um, I mean, writing a book is work, of course, but um, but the last part of my career, I've been actually building business and uh, it's it's a different kind of world. Uh, I'm joining you, by the way, from North Carolina um, in uh, Durham, North Carolina. So um, it's a little bit about me. Right on, man. Excellent. So again, you got started in this, in this field, obviously starting to write, and then you got into business. And as you and I were kind of talking about early, this is why I love getting guests on the show, because as time goes on, as we all should, we should evolve, we should grow, our opinions should change. It's part of being a human being. And so you said to me that some of your opinions have changed a little bit on, on, on what you wrote originally. Why is that? Well, I think because I'm, I'm a human being and I continue to think and, and learn and listen and I got, I got two ears and there's something weird about a book, right? The whole notion of a book project is it's like, it's a snapshot of my point of view of the world, uh, basically in 2012, you know, it came out in 2013. So, you know, you, you research the book for six months, you write the book for six months, comes out, you publicize the book for six months, and then it sits up there as kind of an artifact. And, and um, so, yeah, I mean, so, so let, mm-hmm. perhaps we should get in with what the book says um, what I what I still love about the book, believe about the book, um, and then maybe some some things that I, I would challenge. Which, mm-hmm. by the way, it is a book that challenges. It challenges the status quo. It challenges mm-hmm. sacred cows. So maybe it shouldn't surprise you that um, that's one thing that's in common is I'm still up for challenging things. I love it, man. And that's the way we should always be. And I, I respect you for that because you're not getting romantic about your own ideologies and that you're, you're more interested in learning and evolving, which again, cut the crap nation. That's what we always talk about. We have to always evolve, always think, always be challenged and challenge. And when we get challenged, be respectful, pause, think, is there something else we're missing? Let's increase our emotional intelligence and our self-awareness by listening and challenging our own thoughts. But that's for another discussion, but I really want to break into this one. So let's crack into golden nugget number one, which is What is a sacred cow? For people who don't know what that is, frame it up for us. Sure. So uh, sacred cow, it's it's an idea or an institution, something that is considered beyond question, but deserves questioning. Right. So something that is just considered sacrosanct and shouldn't be questioned, but it but it deserves questioning. It, it's got its, its roots way back uh, hundreds of years ago, back in, in Hinduism. Uh, but it's got nothing to do with that now. Right. I'm, I'm not interested in that. This is just, you know, it's a piece of um, a piece of business jargon, if you like. Like, here's something that we, we consider we like we got to do this. We shouldn't question it. Like, you know, you're going to get into this in, in, in a moment, probably. But, you know, things like it's a good idea to be balanced or we should be our very best. These ideas that um, are just considered sacrosanct, just so obvious um, that you shouldn't even question it. And, and I find it's, it's exactly those things that we believe we shouldn't question, that we accept as kind of received wisdom that deserve a bit of, of inspection. 
a mm -hmm. little closer inspection. And that's really the project of this book. What the book does is let's take a look at those things that we just consider so obvious that they must be true. They must be good. And let's see, let's lift them up a little bit. Um, hold them up to the sun, look at them through a different angle and see what might be hiding beneath these uh, sacred cows. Always question things, man. Always question things. Cut the crab nation. It's a good takeaway on, on itself. It's what do you see as true? What is it something that you've just believed to be the truth? And this is the way it's always been. Challenge that. Does it have to be that way? Should it be that way? Dig deeper, find different perspectives, see how other people see it. I think that's very valuable and clearly you do that. So why don't we kick into the very first one, which is gold nugget number two, bland balance versus bold balance. So what is that exactly? And why is that one of the first sacred cows to avoid? Balance, everything in moderation. You should be balanced. If you wanna be a good human, maybe maybe you're a parent and, and you work, and so you wanna be good at both, like be, be a good parent and, and be be good at work. Um, maybe, you, maybe the part of your job is that you need to focus in on short-term performance, but also long-term strategy. So you think, let's balance things. What could be wrong with balance? Well, what, what, what I find is that too often, balance is just another word for indecision. Right, people unable, unwilling to make a tough choice and say, you know what, in this moment right now, I'm gonna be the very best parent I can be, even if that means I'm a terrible entrepreneur. Or this moment right now, I'm gonna focus entirely on the long term. And perhaps not only this moment, but like with this project. So with our, we've got a small uh, software-based company. And there are times when I, I tell the team, like we're gonna do this, uh, this focus on long-term uh, platform performance, even over short-term client satisfaction, even over. So, uh, so that, that's where we get into what, what I call bold balance. Bold is one thing at a time, one step at a time, more of a portfolio of, uh, of, of edge cases, if you will. So a portfolio of let's be an exceptionally good parent uh, in, in one moment and an exceptionally good entrepreneur. And maybe when you're a great entrepreneur, you actually forget your kids for a moment. It's okay. They're still there. <laughs> um, and, and then go back to being a great parent. It's, it's sort of the, it's the antidote to trying to do all things all the time and ending, ending up doing nothing, where it can be very bland. There's, there's a little anecdote that, that I use, which is um, here uh, in the southern part of the United States, in North Carolina, uh, people like iced tea right? Lots of cold iced tea. And it's getting more popular around uh, the rest of the world. But so we like iced tea. And then you, you go to um, the UK, uh, go to Europe, people might like hot tea. So imagine I had like half the people wanted really hot tea, and half the people wanted really cold iced tea. And, and uh, like, say I'm at a restaurant, half my people want, want um, are, are from the UK, and they want some hot tea. Half the people are from North Carolina, they want cold tea. And I say, you know what, I'm going to make everybody happy. I'm going to split it right down the middle. And I'm going to serve everybody lukewarm tea. <laughs> I, I, who have I made happy? I made nobody happy. And, and, and too often, that's what we do in life is we serve up lukewarm tea, because we're not willing to say I'm going to serve either hot piping hot tea or ice cold tea, make a choice, make a decision, instead of getting lulled into this indecision, and then using balance, the supposed virtue of balance as a way to sort of disguise or excuse your indecision. So that's that, um, as you say, the second golden nugget there is, is the, the particular sacred cow of balance as a way to hide um, indecision. Ooh, you got me pumped up, man. I love it. Love the energy coming through here. And it, it's so true. One of our previous guests, uh, episode 167, Jason Womack, 
He definitely challenged that as well. And he uses the term right now. He goes, listen, it's tough to do everything as best as possible, becoming a great parent, becoming a great entrepreneur, working on my body, working on my finances, doing everything possible. He goes, you can't do it. Take it easy on yourself and say, I'm going to focus on my business solely on my business right now. Yeah. Love. Which means I'm going to let other things fall apart. Some things aren't going to get the attention they need. And that's okay. Cause I'm yeah. going to focus on this right now and give it my entire attention so that I can make really big moves here and be the best damn entrepreneur I can be or the best damn father I can be mother, whatever it is. And I think that as well is a really, really good point. So don't fight for that balance. Love yep. it, man. Fantastic. Let's go on to golden nugget number three, which is, this one's interesting. Explain this one to us. Narcissistic creativity versus useful creativity. Help us understand this one. And so imagine uh, somebody takes over a new position. You got a, a, a new boss in the department and, and they come in and, and, they, and they have a choice, right? When, when they come into this new, new position, they could uh, come in and say, I really need to put my fingerprints on the place. I'm going to fire some people, hire some people, uh, shake up the organization, change things. Um, what, what, what that gives you is it gives you this sense that you've really, you've made your mark. Um, or they could say like, let's see what's working and let's see if we can um, really take, a, take advantage of the people and, and, and ideas that are already in place. Mm -hmm. um, people too often do the former because they want resume fodder and because they want to feed their own ego. It, it happens with, with new ideas as well. I can tell you an example. I did some consulting work with a big, big tech company and somebody told the story of how they said, currently we have 14 different processes in this company for managing uh, innovation, 14 mm. different innovation processes in this company. And I'm going to replace all of these 14 processes with one new process. And that, that's going to be the, my, my brand new idea. Well, mm -hmm. they said is that they worked like six months on getting this new process out there, socializing it, getting people excited about this new idea. And uh, at the end of it, instead of going from 14 to one, they'd gone from 14 to 15. They just added yet another idea to the pile of ideas, right? And, and, and so the, the narcissistic creativity is be creative, of course, when, when it is needed, right? When it is needed by the world, not when it is needed by your ego. And too often, we come up with new ideas because it's, it's needed by your ego. And by the way, if you need the creative outlet, write a song at night, you know, be a poet, do some sculpting. It's, it's a beautiful thing. I'm not trying to talk people into not being creative, but too often I see that narcissism in the workplace of like, hey, I've got a great new idea. Let's do this new thing when it's not needed. And instead, like a more practical approach to creativity, everything's a remix. Take, take the best ideas from other people shine a spotlight on other ideas, be a keeper of ideas, sort of a, a keeper of a climate of creativity and ideas, as opposed to your own big, bright idea. Be able to get over yourself. It's, it's not your, your ideas um, don't need to, to lead. And when you do that, we find the best leaders are able to build this culture where lots of people are coming up with lots of ideas, and then they get people who really want to do great things for them. So that's what we mean by uh, avoid creativity, the sacred cow of creativity. Creativity is so good. It's so good to be cre creative, uh, unless it's only serving your ego. Mm, man, that's such a good distinction. And again, this is a self-awareness thing. We have to take yourself outside of your brain and step outside and say, is this really needed? Do I need to develop this or am I just feeding my ego? And it's hard to have those conversations with yourself. I know those are hard, but again, cut the crap nation. You've heard the other episodes of Create Your Aid of Brain Jiu-Jitsu where we talk about the monkey brain and the monkey brain wants to feel good. It wants to feel valued. It wants to feed that ego. Mm -hmm. You got to short circuit that, short circuit that monkey brain that you have 
and realize that, hey, sometimes there's already solutions out there. One of the techniques or one of the suggestions you make is to curate. There's plenty of great ideas already out there that exist. So pick from maybe one of those because it's way more efficient than coming up with something new. Because coming okay. up with something new is a hell of a job. It's really hard and very expensive. Ryan, you're, you're so right to point out self-awareness because I'd say if there's, if there's a hero of this book, kind of the antidote to getting swept up into the sacred cows, the hero is self-awareness, mm -hmm. being able to understand your own motivations and understand why you're doing what you're doing and what you're doing and what impact it's having on others. So that, that's absolutely key. And so I'm glad you called that theme out. Right on, man. We got two more sacred cows I want to cover here. So let's dig into this next one. Process excellence versus outcome excellence. You kind of already touched on the process piece. Let's dig deeper into this one. Yeah. So um, th th this is, pe people love to have pride in their work, right? Um, pride is, is often, is a very powerful motivator. Like I'm so proud of this thing that I produced. And by the way, it's, I do this, we all do this. It's, it's so natural to be motivated by having pride in your work. And yet what we know from, from what truly creates value with new ideas that actually work, that produce value for people, it it's requires lots and lots of iterations. The first version is very likely to suck, if I may say that. And so if, if you're not willing to get the first version out there that's not so good, that's not your very best work because you're motivated by pride, then you become paralyzed in this process of, uh, I've got to produce something excellent every single time. And getting over that and being able to know, you know what, the first thing we're going to do is, is, is produce something that's probably pretty bad. So let's just get it out there quickly. I can't, I, that's something that I, I say as, as a leader uh, at my company all the time of like this, this first version is unlikely to be great. So let's just make it quick. Um, we can't control if it's great or not. We can control if it's quick and then we can get good feedback and get it better and better. It doesn't mean, it does not mean I'm, I'm advocating for low standards, quite the opposite. I've got incredibly high standards of, of what the thing needs to be in the end. The standards are just so high that it means we need to let go of the ego, let go of some of that um, pride. If, if self-awareness is the hero, um, ego is the, uh, is the villain of this story. Sometimes we get caught up in this, this desire for perfection, 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 it's escaping me right now what author we had on, but he, he really coined this term. Again, it's maybe not something he created, but something he really followed through with, which is productivity, not perfection. We're constantly striving for perfection in every single step of the imagination of whatever it is we want to do. It's not about perfection, people. It's about productivity. And I love the fact that you just said there, it's, it's just, hey, listen, this first step, it's not going to be glamorous. It's not going to be great. So let's just get through it and move forward. Uh, Reed Hoffman is very well known for saying that if you're not embarrassed by your first release, you, you released a little too, uh, too late. You need to release early and often. And I think this is a great reminder for all of us to, again, lower the stakes, ask dumb questions, uh, play around, have fun experimenting. A lot of these things are just elements that maybe we don't hear a lot of in business because we focus too much on trying to perfect every step of the, uh, of the process, yeah. which is ridiculous. And well, yeah, one last thing about the point is this is where leadership matters so much because your job as a leader is to create the kind of psychological safety that allows people to, to feel comfortable to produce something that they don't feel so proud because so proud of because they feel safe because you as a leader have created that environment where it's okay to share openly. So that that's such an important role for the leader mm -hmm. is to create that environment of, Hey, we, it's, okay for us to try things out here. Um, th th that's what you need as a, as a leader. Completely agree. Golden nugget number five and the last of the sacred cows we're going to cover off here, backstage preparation versus onstage preparation. So you got that timely uh, good old Girl Scout, Boy Scout motto, be prepared. It's sensible advice, but it needs some refining. Help us out with this one. Yeah. Be, be prepared until and unless you're, you're 
paralyzed by your own preparation. Uh, this is this is about a world of, of high performance and a world of learning. And what we know is that the best leaders are able to combine high performance with high learning and being able to get better and better. If there's one thing that I, I believe in so much, is it's that uh, not being too confident in, in your own ideas, being able to get out there and learn in real time. And what we see, like, like a classic example of what I mean by um, over-preparation, backstage preparation, is the, the young expert, the young expert who invests so much in their, in their presentation, in their idea, and then they come out and they, they trumpet this idea. And now because they've spent so much time on it, like several things happen. One, they didn't get it out into the world to get feedback soon enough. Two, they've likely fallen in love with it. Right, so, that, so they're not gonna be able to hear, they're gonna defend. And when you put your ideas out there um, that have been prepared so much, it's so hard to really listen openly. Um, mm -hmm. what, what, what I like to think is, is get rid of this distinction of there's pregame and then there's the game. It's mm -hmm. always the game, like we're mm -hmm. always in it. We're always in a constant state of both performance and learning. Rather than first I learn and prepare and then I perform, I, 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 I challenge that dichotomy. I think we should always be doing both. We should always be performing and, and learning. You're always whether you're standing on a stage giving a speech you can be learning right there it's one of the most powerful things you can do in real time during a presentation is is learn listen and learn i can't tell you i, I saw some leaders who i respect do this and i've I picked it up myself if i'm giving a, a, a big presentation and i have somebody give some pushback on a point i will very very often stop hit escape on the powerpoint go into the bullet point right in there and put their words in the slides and say have i got that so it's not just taking notes it's more than taking notes change it in real time put their words on the slides and i've done this you know, in, in front of as many as 100 people in a presentation, here's something I say, you know what, that's a great point. I think that actually says it better than I said it. Let mm -hmm. me put that in your, have I got that right? D do the words and then, and then go back into presentation mode. And people are like, damn, like, those are my words. They're up there. I, I helped co-create that. That's what I mean by like actually learning while you're delivering. Mm, that's powerful, man. That is powerful. And to be able to not separate the two, but just kind of bring them together. There's true power in that, man. I, I love that takeaway. The last piece here that we want to talk about, it's a great story that we can end off on. It's a very short, brief story, but the, the lesson from here, it is powerful. What water? Talk to us about this one, man. Let's wrap yeah. this up. Yeah, so this is not my original story. So this is from David Foster Wallace that he gave at a, at a graduation speech going back something like 13, 14 years ago. I think it was at Oberlin College. And it just, I found it so touching and such a, a powerful, powerful story. So, and it's been retold by, by, by others as well, but um, I'm happy to, to retell it again. So David Foster Wallace tells the story of there's uh, two young fish are swimming along in, in the ocean, um, going along. Um, and uh, they, they pass by a, um, an, an, an older fish and the uh, older fish um, says, um, howdy boys, how's the water? And they, um, they swim on, on by and, and the, the, the young, one of the young fish looks at the other and says, what the hell is water? <laughs> and and the, point, the point of the story to me, I think, I think it's, it's a really rich story. It has almost this kind of Eastern mysticism to it of what is water? Um, when you're swimming in it, you don't see it. When you're swimming in it, you don't feel it. When you're swimming in it, you don't perceive it. When it's all that you know, when it's all that there has been, it is hard to describe it because it is simply your world. And so the, the things that I'm talking about here, these, these sacred cows, they've become so much a part of our culture. Like, oh, just be balanced, be collaborative. Let's be uh, really excellent and, and prepared that you don't even question them and, and say like, wait a minute, why are they there? How did they get there? What might, what unintended consequences might be there? So I think there's a couple of things that uh, I, I think 
you know, your, your cut the crap point is right to get, bring it down to three or four. I, I think uh, there's some redundancy between the seven. I think uh, the point between excellence and preparation, I think it's basically the same point said differently, same twice. So how, how's that for being hard on myself, right? So, <laughs> so I, I, think it's, um, I think it's a good, like, um, good, good three or four chapters. But it's funny when you get a, a business book, it's like, okay, 75,000 words. It needs to be eight chapters. You got that's a contract right. and go. And you're like, right. all right, let's go. And if you happen to, to run out of steam three and a half chapters in, like doesn't matter, you're going to bang it out. You probably <laughs> don't have a lot of business book authors on here talking to you about that aspect of the business book process, but very uh, few, my man, very few. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to I say it. it. So, so um, I, I mean, and I think you don't need to read the book to get the basic idea to, to question your world, like be able to, to open up your mind and it's the very things that you think are just there and, you, and, and you, you can't question them, you shouldn't question them. Those are the things that I invite you to question because the world is just a more interesting place when you live that way. That's all. Oh man, I'm telling you. You, uh, I'm sure you made a whole hell of a lot of fans today on this episode because, uh, man, I, I love you. I love the attitude, love the energy, and I love the honesty, man. It's, it's, it's refreshing. But that is Tipping Sacred Cows, Kick the Bad Work Habits that Masquerade as Virtues. You can get that on, uh, on Audible. You can get that on audiobook. But, uh, my man, Jake, you are, you're, you're, you're one hell of a guest, man. I, I, I love it. I wish you had more books coming out so I can get you back on the show, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> get hey, to man. writing. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm happy to join Cut the Crap Nation. Uh, thanks so much for having me. Really enjoyed the conversation. I, I learned I learned a lot too, so thanks so much. Beautiful. Before I let you go here, how can people get in touch with you if they uh, want to connect with you online? Uh, check out my company's website. I'll, if you let me do a, a plug, we do Absolutely. business simulations. It's called sapienexperience.com. That's sapien is in homo sapiens, so sapienexperience.com. We do uh, custom business simulations for companies, so that's where you'll find me. Awesome. I'll make sure I throw that in the show notes. If you guys want to connect Jake, go ahead and do that. But again, Jake, thank you so much for making time for us and uh, all of us in Cut the Crap Nation. Appreciate it. Absolutely. See ya. Right. There we have it. That is Tipping Sacred Cows, Kick the Bad Work Habits that Masquerade as Virtues by Jake Breeden. Cool interview, eh? I told you. Great energy. Good, like, enthusiasm. And I love a guy who can go back and say, hey, listen, this book that I wrote, you know, I'm not, I'm not, romantic about it i've changed my opinions on a few things things i once believed i don't believe anymore it's called life it's called growing it's called learning and i think that we all need to do more of that in our lives but i love this book love his perspective and i hope that you did as well if you enjoyed this book and you want to get the golden nuggets from it then please go to our friends at get abstract and download your free pdf summary to this book all you have to do is go to getab.li rrx that's G-E-T-A-B dot L-I slash R-R-X. You can download this summary and over 20,000 more summaries to your favorite books. Again, that's getab dot L-I slash R-R-X. Also, last but not least, if you enjoy this episode and you found some golden nuggets from this, then please feel free to text me, 1-917-540-8169. Let me know what your top golden nugget was from this episode. Didn't have a top golden nugget, then do as I said at the very beginning, Send me a text message and let me know a setup that you found from a setback that happened in your life. I'm doing my best to try and collect as many stories as possible, and I want to hear about your setbacks and the setups that you found from them. So again, text me, 1-917-540-8169, and I look forward to talking to you. All right, my friends, that is a wrap for today. So again, thank you so much for tuning into the show. It always means so much to me. There's so much out there competing for your attention, and the fact that you gifted me with your attention it's a gift i don't take this lightly i really appreciate that so thank you so much from the bottom of my heart 
But again, I hope you have yourselves a productive, inspired week, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Love you all. Thank you.